You're listening to Once, episode 183, Unforgiven. Welcome back to another episode of Once, the unofficial podcast for ABC's TV show, Once Upon a Time. I'm Daniel J. Lewis. I'm Jeremy Laughlin. And I'm Aaron. Thank you for joining us. We have watched and prepared for you some great conversation, a feast <laughs> of, pup, I, I mean, of Uh-oh. Unforgiven, uh, of this episode. Mm. <laughs> Unforgiven. It's one of those episodes to me that... Honestly, the more I watched it, the more frustrated I got. Mm. I would concur with that statement. Really? I've only watched it twice, but I was more frustrated the second time than the first. I was thinking, based on some interaction we had earlier, Aaron, I was thinking you were going to say, but I loved this episode. Well, I did the first time I watched it. There was the normal amount of frustration with (laughs) stuff, inconsistencies, (laughs) etc. But I did. And I really liked the present stuff more than the past stuff. But yeah, no, then I just rewatched it and I'm a little bit frustrated. I'm excited still to talk about it. But I think in a rare moment for me, my opinion did not really change significantly one way or the other going through and taking notes. Maybe it's because I didn't find all that much to be terribly noteworthy. But usually (laughs) I will, an episode that I really liked initially, I will like less. And one that I didn't like initially, I will like more when we dissect it. But at the moment now, that's pending conversation that we're about to have i my opinion from sunday night is relatively unchanged hmm. which <laughs> is to say i would probably rate it around a six okay <laughs> <laughs> i really try not to watch for the podcast on sundays so that's probably why my opinion changes so much like i try to just watch it like a normal person <laughs> yeah that's why yeah i try to watch like a normal person too and then just come down and talk how did I react? In this case, it's the same. <laughs> yeah. And speaking of watching as a normal person, we did get to see Cinderella, and we will have that review in the podcast feed uh, very soon. If you don't see it already, definitely check that out. That will be episode 184 of One's Podcast. But instead of Jeremy, I got someone far more attractive to review it with <clears> me. So That's awkward <laughs> phraseology. Watch for that coming up soon at oncepodcast.com in episode 184. In short, Cinderella was good. But we'll <laughs> move on to talking about... And she did more than babysit for the Charmings. Yeah. What? Cool. Yeah. So let's talk about this, starting with our discussion of the past. Where this is happening is it's nice that they gave us the context that this is right after the honeymoon. So it's maybe a week or two weeks after the wedding. This is before the Charmings went to see Rumpelstiltskin. Because remember, when they went to see Rumpel, they knew that they were pregnant. But in this episode, they learned that they were pregnant. From Maleficent, which was funny. Yeah. Yeah. What a way to hear the announcement. <laughs> One of the things that struck me in this episode is how many people were put in what they called a sleeping curse. Mm-hmm. Doesn't that mean there'd be a party in the Red Room of Fire <laughs> doing all of this? <laughs> well, how many how many people were put in a sleeping curse? But everyone. Oof. 
I think it's a different sleeping curse. Oh. I think this is malef- mal- maleficent sleeping curse that she used in the orig- like in the animated feature. She put everybody in a sleeping curse as well. I don't know that we have any reason to believe that that's the same sleeping curse as the one that Regina uses. I think it's more just like sleeping dust because they don't need true love's kiss to awaken. That's mm. true. It's like a sleeping spell, not a sleeping curse. Right. Apparently, she's just a connoisseur of sleep inducers. Actually, I think that Maleficent didn't even do that in Sleeping Beauty. I think the three fairies did. Oh, that's true. Because they wanted the kingdom to not age while Aurora was sleeping. But I suppose it stands to reason that if the fairies can do it, Maleficent can do it. That's true. Maybe it was just like that poppy powder. So when you're when it's just a like a sleeping spell, you don't get to go to the red room, but I think probably a green room. Maybe, yeah. That would be my guess. You know, <laughs> like a, a watery green room. It's just sort of a thing. Yeah, and one of the things that Jessica Olson sent in a theory here is she said, Didn't David place a golden egg with a potion inside Dragon Maleficent back in season one? Chronologically, remember, that would be like a year before this is happening. In the flashbacks. Wait, what? Back in the end of season one, Rumpelstiltskin gave the true love potion to Prince Charming inside of a golden egg. Uh, true. And the instructions were put this inside of Maleficent. Mm-hmm. And uh, so that was, he put it inside Dragon Maleficent, and that was when Charming first met Maleficent. Okay. And that was at what point in their life? That was before. Charming got the ring that led him to Snow White, where he kissed her, woke her up. Then they did their take back the kingdom. Then they got married. So that's maybe a year or so before the curse. All traditionally before the honeymoon. Yes. (laughs) Okay. So Jessica Olson's question is, so does she just have a golden egg in her? She just thinks this she's pregnant. <laughs> she like, relax. You didn't lose a baby. It was just a golden egg with a potion in it. Or was it somehow only in her when she is in dragon form? Well, that's awkward. Yeah. Oh. It is a really big egg. Yeah, it is rather large to just be hanging out there. Okay, so she that actually, I wanted to bring up the fact that she said, I was afraid you wouldn't recognize me. And I thought either that was a nod to her costume change or possibly an indication of some bigger plot point. Could it be a reference to the fact that he last saw her as a dragon? Yeah, he last saw her as a dragon, but he did see her as a person just before she changed into a dragon. That is true. So yeah, yeah, it could refer to either of those things. And speaking of the costume change, that is something that did annoy me in this episode because I was willing to accept that maybe the costume we were seeing Maleficent wear was pre-Aurora, pre-Broken Heart, pre-whatever happened. Yeah. But no, she described in this episode later on that Regina had stolen the curse from her. So Regina stole that curse within the two weeks after she interrupted the wedding. Well, she dresses differently at home than she does when she goes out. (laughs) Okay, that could maybe be, except at home, I think it was maybe, honestly, the Once Upon a Time costume budget might have been a little bit different back then, or maybe they just prioritized it a little differently. Yeah, they they were prioritizing making characters a little more unexpected in those days, too. We never saw, in fact, to this day, the only real traditional snow white costume we've seen was kind of a joke 
for maybe yeah. one scene. So I think there are all kinds of perhaps franchise reasons that they've decided to go a little more traditional Maleficent. But typically, I mean, look at Ursula. They, you know, they're not really, Cruella is a little bit traditional for various yeah. reasons. Ursula's not even purple. Yeah. <laughs> oh, true. Yeah, they tend to be a little bit in the business of redefining the characters, maybe more so in the past, in the beginning than they are now, making them more like real people. And don't forget, these are also the same episodes where Snow defined her entire relationship with the Evil Queen in the traditional sense, as though the Evil Queen thought Snow was prettier and tried to kill her. Yeah, yeah, that's true. Canon was a little bit uh, malleable in the first few episodes. It does seem like <laughs> something, though, they could have easily mixed in. But your explanation of, well, those are her home clothes <laughs> could make some sense. She lets her hair down, literally. Literally. <laughs> and wears a different horn set on her head. It was like a dark tea party they were having. She yeah. got kind of, yeah. you know, dolled up. <laughs> we'll have some screenshots just in case you're wondering what we're talking about in the show notes for this episode at oncepodcast.com slash 181. So when these witches came to the round table, there uh, was also another thing that bothered me with the canon that I think broke this a little bit. According to the second episode of Once Upon a Time, The Thing You Love Most, Regina made a deal with Maleficent and traded the Dark Curse for the Sleeping Curse. And then huh. Regina stole it back from Maleficent. In that episode, The Thing You Love Most, Maleficent referred to not knowing where the Dark Curse came from. And said to Regina something like, where you got it, who knows, whoever wrote this. Or It sounded like Maleficent had never, ever seen the curse before mm. Regina brought it. But now we know, based on the episode Darkness at the Edge of Town, our previous episode we saw, that Maleficent was there and helped Rumple get the dark curse. True. Yeah, so it's a little bit of a broken canon to me. and. Mm. That's part of what made this episode frustrating because I saw more and more broken cannons and things <laughs> added for convenience. We all know what happens when you fire a broken cannon. <laughs> Even in this episode, okay. in the scene with the witches at the round table, Maleficent says that the curse will affect, infect or affect the enchanted forest. She doesn't say anything about any other realms, which it might just be that she doesn't actually know the extent of the curse, but we know that that is not true right the curse affected more than just the enchanted forest that was the initial idea the presented hatter. but yeah <laughs> it doesn't ever seem that way well but hatter <laughs> jefferson who is, was often in the enchanted forest but he was stuck in wonderland yeah when the curse hit yeah and also uh smee was uh well in one episode i think he I remember Smee saying we were in Neverland when the curse hit. Yeah. But I think going back to that, I well, think they've the, left too many people behind in those other realms. Then <laughs> the curse kind of targeted people in some ways, I think in some of the other realms, but it did yeah. certainly affect every realm. Like where did it pull will from wonderland or <laughs> enchanted forest? We don't know. Well, I'm sure we will talk about will later, but I don't think that he was actually, Affected by the curse. We're going to have to chart this. Yeah. We should have been doing that all along. This is 
one of the things here's your new vocabulary word for the today, for the day i learned this myself retcon retroactive continuity it's where they basically go back and keep the facts the same but they change the interpretation of the facts and that's why i feel like they're doing some of now we did get a great explanation from one of our followers on twitter that well don't forget emma and hook went into the past and their presence in the past although they did write everything their mere presence could have caused a ripple effect that affected some of these other things to adjust these minor details. Blah. Here but yeah. I'm not going to say the that's, writers are. That's a thing that fans suggest and writers go, yep, that. Yeah. yeah. That sounds <laughs> like a great idea. Well, we and also, that. it's not as if this retcon stuff has only been happening since they got back from the past. Like, may I say squidding? Yeah, that's true. <laughs> yeah. I mean, yeah. So I think we should give it levels because it sounds like ThreatCon and DEFCON. So I think, you know, some of these things are like RETCON 3 and then actually I'm not sure which direction is more severe, but we'll figure that out later. (laughs) We'll RETCON my definition of RETCON. By the way, Matthew Paul agrees with you, Jeremy, because Mm -hmm. he had posted in our forums at oncepodcast.com slash forums (laughs) suggesting the same thing, that Maleficent's purple gown is her loungewear and then... (laughs) The the black stuff is what she wears when she's out on the town. But there's there's also still way more to her story that we don't know. And there still could have been some significant event in between those two things in that two-week period, or however long we just said it was, that has made her wardrobe change. Is that not true? Yeah, that is possible. But... Uh, I, I think I, we're overthinking this, really. Yeah. <laughs> well, that's that's what we're here for. It's, it's only because we just saw like Maleficent last year, and it, that was the significance of her wardrobe change in that movie, right? Was something happened? Right. Yeah, Maleficent, the movie from Disney. Mm. Right. I have to wonder what is Cruella's deal with charming because, like, in every <laughs> scene, they're at the round table, and in this next scene where they're at the bridge. And then in Storybrooke, every time Cruella sees Charming, she's always kind of flirting with him or using some kind of innuendo with him. Desperation and gin. Yeah. That's... <laughs> Maybe they have more of a backstory. Nah. That would be strange if they did. She has a crush be. on every boy. <laughs> so when they went to cross the bridge and we got some uh, some dragon prepared dragon food. Which is a really insensitive way of talking about the soldiers that died. Whose guards were those? What was that crest on their shields? Yeah. I noticed that crest because I know that symbol, but I've never, to my recollection, seen it in this show before. We've seen symbols kind of like it. And one of those that's kind of like it is a symbol that will, well, that's tied partially to Jefferson's hat, but not in that exact shape it's oh. a four start or four pointed pattern whereas this is a three pointed pattern it's i've heard some people refer to it as like a trinity pattern yeah um, and it's on some bibles uh you'll see it sometimes like i've actually i think i've got a bible on my bookshelf back there that i can't reach but it has that symbol on yeah. it and i feel like we've seen it before but i just couldn't find it i've looked through several episodes randomly and just couldn't find 
where we might have seen that symbol before. But these could just be neutral guards that they're simply tasked <laughs> with the responsibility to guard this bridge and prevent people from approaching the Tree of Wisdom. Hmm. Oh, maybe. I don't think that symbol's been in the show before just because that symbol's in Ontario. It's quite, it's used quite frequently because it's kind of a variation of our flower, our like provincial flower, which is the trillium. But it's also from the show Charmed and it represented the power of three in that show. But um, it is like, it's just a Trinity knot. It's a really Celtic symbol. And it is, I know it was on the Anglican Bibles and hymn books growing up in our, in the church that I went to. And so there's all this like discourse about whether it's a pagan symbol or whether it's a Christian symbol, but I know that it's still really prominent in Ireland. And I looked that up as well. And it's kind of like a man gives it as a trinket to show his affection toward the Mm. one he loves. So the three elements stand for love, honor and protect. So it's interesting. And that did remind me of snow and charming, but they wouldn't, I guess, have been prevented from crossing the bridge if they were their guards. I think this is where I remember seeing it. Not actually from Once Upon a Time. Ash 23 in our chat room pointed out Thor's hammer in the Marvel movies. It has that symbol on it. That's where I think I've seen that symbol before. So maybe that symbol was used as a little nod to Marvel since Disney owns Marvel. And a little nod to Thor or you know the Asgard kingdom. Maybe. Hmm. Interesting. I think it's part of a larger design in that case, but maybe not. Maybe it is. They have made other hints, yes. Yeah, and certainly I think at some point we might see some kind of crossover. I wouldn't be surprised with this because there's the TV show Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D., which is based on Marvel. It's called Marvel's Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. And by the way, we have a podcast about that. Go to welcometolevel7.com. They're doing Agent Carter, Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. They review many of the Marvel movies. Great podcast. Go over there. Listen to it. Welcometolevel7.com. But that's an ABC TV show, and I wouldn't be surprised if they do more of a crossover with some characters or ideas between the two shows, because they could be happening at the same time. I don't know if the big characters will come from Marvel over, but maybe some of the smaller ones. I would be surprised, but I guess it could happen. When they make it to the tree of the knowledge of good and evil, I mean, the tree (laughs) of wisdom... Gosh, I can't be the only one who is thinking that. I suppose it was, yeah, it was somewhere in my mind. My first thought when we saw the tree is, is that the same tree that Geppetto used to make the wardrobe? Oh, no. No, it's not. Mm -mm. Definitely not. It's completely different setting, completely different tree. Definitely not the same. Strange rock designs around it. Yeah. And Emma being the product of true love, apparently gives her great potential, but for two directions, either great good or great darkness. See, they'd kind of run out of superlatives. So now it's potential, not actual nature that matters this year. Potential (laughs) for darkness. I don't know what I think about it. I didn't like this scene. I kept pointing out that Emma's the savior, savior, savior. And then... That was like the potential for great darkness. Well, like, yeah, doesn't every kid have the potential for great good or great darkness? That's kind of how we're born, right? The tree doesn't like kids, just in general. They're, They're too much of an unknown. So the statement that Maleficent made there 
something to the effect of perhaps you aren't as noble as we thought. I think that was maybe meant to suggest a lot of the main question that they're trying to put into our heads about the Charmings. Maybe what is the secret? Maybe they're not as noble as we thought because this whole we have to hide what we did. Even now knowing a little bit more about it, it doesn't sound very in character for them. And so I think that was giving voice to the main point that they want to put into our minds. Well, you know, in character for people, I think we might all have at some point made mistakes that were very out of character for us. I mean, think of people you know and highly respect, and if they've been transparent and have told some of the darkness that they've had, you'd think, what? That person? No way. I could never see that. When I say out of character, I suppose I also mean out of canon, because the way that they've reacted to various mistakes of others around them, the way they've reacted to their own mistakes were suggestive of the idea that they'd never done anything that bad before. That's true. And And the way they talked about themselves or others had talked, you know, what others say about them maybe isn't as clear cut. They've just always had this uh, sort of wide eyed, innocent, heroic nature when referencing their, enchanted forest selves and then they've been both since they've been (laughs) through the curse you know the david nolan and mary margaret sides but it's always been sort of implied that they never really had too much wavering in their character when they were in the enchanted forest i think this also brings up a question of what nobility really is to some people like it's a very it's kind of a fluid term depending on who you're talking to so was it like we kind of had this debate as well when they were deciding whether Regina could help them in Neverland because her tactics were not ones that they would agree with, but it would get the job done. So it's like when Maleficent turned into a dragon and killed those men, that is, does that, they didn't do anything, but they are kind of like co-conspirating to that cause. Mm -hmm. So even um, like kind of jumping ahead, but at the end when Maleficent comes to snow, is it noble for Snow to say no, or is it more noble for her to help her? That's that's a very interesting question that could go really either way when it comes to whether Snow is being noble mm-hmm. and true to her character. Yeah, I think a smart leadership decision might have been to at least hear Maleficent out and find out what she wanted to do. Yeah, But maybe, maybe Snow, yeah, maybe she was afraid that once they got involved, Maleficent would just do things. But then was it a smart leadership decision to stop them from killing Regina in the cricket game? Mm. That's what I mean. It's not something that is so black and white. It's not as black and white as Adam and Eddie seem to be trying to paint it. Hmm. Well, in some ways, that's their intention is they Mm -hmm. intended to write Once Upon a Time to show that it's not all black and white like the fairy tales we know. And sometimes Snow even sees things as black and white that maybe aren't. Yeah. Yeah. By the way, Jacqueline, who co-hosts the spoilers section with Hunter, suggested something interesting is maybe those handprints were from the author and the sorcerer. I think it was just one really big dude with a long wingspan. (laughs) Keb, who manages our timeline, pointed out that baby Neil Flake and Snow with a blackened heart back early uh, in season three 
Snow, with a blackened heart, was pure enough to go through the door to see Glinda, but reforming Regina couldn't. But now, baby Emma cancels out Snow's heroism because she's not a savior yet. Well, the tree's just fickle. Yeah. More fickle than a door. Trees have attitudes. Watch Harry Potter. Trees have attitudes. <laughs> <laughs> well, and even even your statement, not a savior yet, in the present is a little bit threatened because Snow says that Emma could still revert back to evil or revert to evil or something like that. And so it doesn't really matter that she's a savior now and that her magic is as light as it gets. Apparently a betrayal can still make her turn that way. Right. So I think Emma is a human and, and therefore she is obviously open to all of these different things that could happen based on the choices that she makes. Is that fair? Yeah. Yeah. I think so. (laughs) When Maleficent visited snow. Oh, what a creepy thing that would be to wake up to that. (laughs) But I think a big question, two big questions here. Who's the baby? Who's the baby's daddy? (laughs) Well, is it a baby mm. or is it an egg? Or is it, you know? A dragon egg. I'm just going to continue to make Trogdor references in case anybody's wondering. Okay, you know, consider the similarities here. Snow and Charming are going to have a baby, the product of true love. Maleficent has an egg in her that contains true love potion. Extract of true love, if you will. Yeah, extract. But here's here's a thought. Trying to make some canon out of certain things from (laughs) previous seasons. Maleficent is a dragon. You know who else is a dragon? Trogdor. Besides that. Okay. The dragon. Uh, Allah, selfless, brave, and true. That's season two. Stop right now. Could that dragon, though, possibly be the father? No. Probably not the baby. (laughs) But maybe (laughs) This is just too much fun. No. Because he's a forgotten character that was abandoned as a young character. Yeah. <laughs> a big theory in the forums, and a lot of people are supporting this, is that Maleficent's baby is actually Lily that we've seen previously mm-hmm. in season four. I even like that theory better, except I feel like if Lily got to be Lily, a baby would not have been lost. Perhaps. A child, yes. A baby, it, no. But it in, depends on well, what lost. they meant by lost. Hmm. Right. Exactly. Lost is a very ambiguous term. Yeah, that yeah. doesn't necessarily mean died. It, it could have could been mean, a bean portal. It could mean <laughs> stolen. It could mean misplaced. <laughs> right. Whatever. It oh, it could mean that she made a deal with Rumpelstiltskin and lost her baby. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Here is uh, some feedback that we got from Fee. Fee said, "I wasn't satisfied with the theories." people were suggesting that is that Lily is Maleficent's daughter. So I blurted out, maybe Lily is the unicorn thrust out into the world when the curse was cast away from her quote mother unquote. I think I'm only half joking. (laughs) What began as a joke quickly became a mound of evidence. And though it sounds sort of ridiculous, I'm going on the record to say that if they do do it, I can say, I called it. So here is <laughs> Fee's evidence. The star scar on Lily's wrist could be from when she lost her horn. Yes, it should probably be on her forehead, but that might have been. 
But that might have been a bit too obvious for them to do. Besides, she can totally hold her wrist over her forehead if she wants to. It's fine. Exhibit B. Maleficent is a human who can turn into a mythical creature. So it'd be kind of poetic if her, quote, child, unquote, who was a mythical creature, was turned into a human. Exhibit C. Regina cast the curse to ruin people's happiness. Regina didn't like Maleficent. Regina saw that the unicorn was Maleficent's BFF, going back to episode The Thing We Love the Most, (laughs) her only family and the source of her happiness. So Regina programming the curse to separate Maleficent and her unicorn permanently is a thing I could see her doing, and the unicorn being tossed out into our world would accomplish that. Exhibit D, one of the classic images in mythology is the lovely young maiden being drawn to a unicorn and them chilling out on the grass. She gave us the image, which we'll have in the show notes, <laughs> oncepodcast.com slash 183. Emma was drawn to Lily and chilled with her on the grass. Remember just before they <laughs> broke into the house. <laughs> Exhibit E. J.K. Rowling wrote about the unicorns in Fantastic Beasts and Where to Find Them. And J.K. Rowling said, quote, it generally avoids human contact, is more likely to allow a witch to approach it than a wizard, and is so fleet of foot that it is very difficult to capture. Unquote. I think mm-hmm. this is relevant because Lily was on the run. Emma could be considered a witch, and Lily even gave a shout out to Harry Potter in that episode. Exhibit F, Lily wore her dark hair in a ponytail. Exhibit G, Maleficent's <laughs> unicorn wore a black collar studded with silver bits. Lily wore a cuff that looked like a black leather strap studded with silver bits. So what started as a joke has become an actual theory backed up by evidence. And he says, my friends and I have dubbed her Lilycorn. And season 5.1 <laughs> will be the My Little Pony season. <laughs> <laughs> and Fee said, and speculating about her is the most fun we've had with this show in ages. That's amazing. Uh, I'm going to say circumstantial on a lot of this stuff. But hey, yeah, we've seen other strange things happen. Maleficent also came to this world and she was trapped as the mythical beast. So I don't know that it totally follows, but it's true. We have seen some very strange theories turn out to be true mm-hmm. and correct i don't know about the scar part because that just makes me think of a unicorn with a horn on its leg but otherwise interesting before we move on to talking about the present day i want to thank some people who made this episode of the podcast possible we could not do this without you special thanks to david newland steve johnson lisa slack and our 11 patreon backers thank you very much for your kind support your donations that help keep the podcast running cover the expenses of running the podcast we really appreciate it we could not do this without you if you'd like to be a sponsor of an episode or several episodes you can donate one time you can donate on a monthly basis which is what helps us the most or you can donate on a per-episode basis, or even just shop through our affiliate links. That's all available at oncepodcast.com slash sponsor. The other way that you can really help us out that I'd love to ask you to do, and please do this every day through March 24th, is to vote for us and our other podcasts in the Podcast Awards. We have several podcasts in the awards, five under different categories, and we have some friends that we'd like to support as well. So please go to 
oncepodcast.com slash podcast awards for the details on that. And you can sign up for a daily reminder email where we also hand out daily compliments for free. So check that out at oncepodcast.com slash podcast awards. And please vote every day through March 24th for Once Podcast. Are you just watching Beyond the To-Do List, The Productive Woman, and The Audacity to Podcast? We would love to have your support. That's at oncepodcast.com slash podcast awards. Moving on to the present, it starts with the alarm clock. Nightmare 238. <laughs> I thought it was a little ironic that the mobile above baby Neil's crib there was of sheep. I think it's ironic considering David's bad history with Bo Peep. But he had a very good history with sheep. Yeah, he yeah, was a shepherd. shepherd. I thought it was really crazy that the baby was just chilling in his crib, not crying or anything in the middle of the night wide awake because that just doesn't happen in case anyone was wondering <laughs> it does happen in fairy tales apparently which it does <laughs> i was thinking that mary margaret and yes i'll call her that in this case has the style <laughs> of my grandmother <laughs> i mean those sheets it was funny and i only thought of that because i was like i think maybe my grandma had a blanket that looked like that in her house somewhere Well, they were trapped in time for like 28 years <laughs> they didn't have much of a chance to update. I just wondered, is that is that supposed to be suggestive of Snow's connection to nature? Or are they trying to make her seem grandmotherly because it kind of works? <laughs> she is a grandmother. And a new mother. All at the same time. That's true, too. I thought it was funny that Maleficent responded to Snow's pleas to not hurt her family. When I'm done, you won't have a family left to hurt. That's that would be because you hurt them. She's asking you to not make her family not exist. <laughs> maybe, maybe Maleficent's plan is for the family to just not <laughs> be on Snow's side anymore when she's done. I don't know. I suppose it was all a dream. <laughs> was it a dream? That was one of the questions I had in my notes. Was it a foreshadowing dream or was it a guilty mind playing tricks on her? The dragon wraith ashes were communicating from being mostly dead. Well, I think it's a little of both because when you jump to when they were in the cave, Maleficent did say something very similar in basically saying, I want to see you in pain slowly. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. So, yeah, it is somewhat a foreshadowing, I think. But is Snow somehow prophetic in that or is it just that she was guilty and that's why she was thinking that? Probably because she was guilty, because they seem to be dealing with that a lot in this episode. <laughs> yeah. At the diner, Will Scarlet, yes. who, his brief interaction on this show has caused more discussion <laughs> than anything else. That's weird. And because, a lot of yeah. people are really disturbed. And okay. he, his only words in this episode were, Hello, mom. The usual, please. Cheers. <laughs> yeah, argue about that for hours. No, I know you're arguing about the other things that happened. Break later. down the letters and rearrange them until they say the truth. <laughs> <laughs> I was, for some reason, when I watched this scene, so we saw Will Scarlet. We haven't seen him, I want to say, for a while, but I think it's really only been one episode, but it's because of the break. And then we still really haven't gotten his story. And then they were talking about this was a job for the sheriff. I was like, are they going to ask Will to be the sheriff? I was 
for some reason convinced that they were going to hire Will, not sorry, not as a sheriff, as a deputy, because they needed eyes on Cruella and Ursula 24-7. I don't know why I thought that, but he would fit really well being a thief. And and a merry man. And a merry man. (laughs) (laughs) Got the bow and arrow thing, I guess. Does he? Have we ever seen him shoot? No. You can't be a merry man without shooting bow and arrow. He just well, makes clever remarks. Whoa, that's his weapon of choice. Sarcasm. Yeah. Well, uh, guys, um, I think there's one ship that may have officially sunk. This, I'm sad about this one, if it's what I think it is. Henry and Cinnabon. Oh, Henry Bond. <laughs> However, <laughs> chocolate frosted donuts are now an official <laughs> once upon a time party food. But yes. I think it's just because they don't have a Cinnabon in Storybrooke. Well, you know, those long distance relationships are tough. <laughs> <laughs> I have a whole mashup of his name, like Henry Bond Dogza. Because <laughs> 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 he's obsessed about hot dogs and pizza that doesn't lie. <laughs> <laughs> I, yeah. I feel like his sugar obsession is them trying to make him not seem like he's aging so much. Right. He was very specific. Almost like, Mom, you got this wrong last time I left you alone at Granny's. (laughs) You need to get this right. Or we're not going to get your happy ending as quickly. I was uh, surprised that Regina cared so much about Henry hearing her past indiscretions when he's read her storybook. Yeah, that's true. And lived it also. I think it could be one of those things like sharing the details versus just knowing that you made mistakes. Sometimes it's not beneficial for people to know the full details and mm-hmm. you know, everything you did, especially if it's in the past, it's been uh, forgiven, you've repented of it, all of that stuff, you know, you've made it right as much as you can, then you don't have to keep bringing it up, especially with the details. And speaking of details, Will got two drinks. Do you know where one of those drinks ended up? <laughs> Well, he always spills one, so. <laughs> I'm guessing it was uh, on Belle's desk at Mr. Gold's shop. It was. Yeah, when the three or the two witches went to visit Belle in Gold's shop, it's right there. Oh, my gosh. <laughs> yeah. Okay, so who noticed that before and who only noticed it at the end? <laughs> I didn't notice it at all. Neither did I. <laughs> yeah, I didn't notice it the first time because it's just like, oh, yeah, there's Will. He's getting two drinks. And it didn't even really stand out to me the first time I watched this episode that why would Will need two drinks? Who is he going to hang out with that he would need two drinks? Little John. Yeah, that's true. Little John (laughs) is still there. Who knows? Anyone. (laughs) Yeah. But yeah, that's very pointed. By the way, if you liked Cruella's cell phone case, you can buy it. (laughs) I found it on Amazon. (laughs) So we'll have a link in the show notes for this episode. Oncepodcast.com slash 183 if you would like to buy your own (laughs) Dalmatian skin. Unfortunately, they are not made out of real Dalmatians off of Amazon. But Cruella's Ooh, You think so? Well. I mean, can you get Dalmatian leather that looks like that? I've seen the movie. (laughs) I thought it was very funny that Emma was like, guys, I just want a grilled cheese. She sounded like Henry. Yeah, well, it was just the last episode that. Regina teased her with something like, you eat like a kid. Yeah. <laughs> like mother, like son. I have a question about Cruella. Mm-hmm. Now, I need to preface this. I am not requesting that people necessarily guess the age 
of the actress. I'm sure we can find that. But how old do you think Cruella is? And here's the reason. Uh, Doxon in the chat room reminded us of her little jab at Granny mentioning her werewolf days. Yeah. That would be kind of a long time ago, right? True. And yet Cruella knows about that. Well... Which could just be snark. It could just be because writing. But it could mean that she's older than she seems and she was around for it. Well, Granny would have been a werewolf for a very long time and only not been a werewolf for quite a short time. Is that not correct? Like it kind uh, of, it expires? Maybe. Um, although I think she kept it a pretty well hidden secret. True. She learned to control it at some point, if I remember correctly. Yeah, she learned to control it. But then at some point, she stopped um, turning in, being able to turn it into a werewolf. Right. And that was in her much older age. Yeah. So I'm going to say that Cruella, probably in her 50s, 50s or 40s. You think that's old enough to have been around for that? I think so. Okay. Yeah. Because she's maybe 10 years apart from granny so it could be that cruella was a teenager or a young woman when granny was still Hmm. wolf lady interesting (laughs) and with the dog connection and wolves and dogs being sort of related that could be an interesting story that could be yeah or a story that cruella wanted to make happen (laughs) 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 yeah maybe wolf maybe those wolf pet pelts make Good capes. Maybe Cruella, with her animal or her influence of animals, once made Granny do something as a wolf that Granny didn't want to do. When we saw Henry and Regina working together at the mayor's office with the chocolate frosted Frosted. donuts, (laughs) which, by the way, we've got to have at our season finale party, I loved (laughs) that they brought up again August and the book and the pages that were added to the book. I know I said this in the initial reactions, but I love it that much. I want to say it again. <laughs> it was so awesome to see them do that because this is stuff that we would, had been pointing out and you, our listeners, have been pointing out as well as maybe August is the author, maybe August knows the author or something because of this. But the pages were different. Yeah. Newer. <laughs> you think that's all? Maybe printed with a inkjet I, <laughs> <laughs> I was curious as to whether that meant that august made the pages or perhaps august had the pages made i think oh the pages themselves not necessarily the paper but who did the illustrations and the writing okay well the writing i think august did because remember he has a typewriter it's not typewritten the typewriter could also be from the author think about that yeah what if the typewriter doesn't seem like his style what if the typewriter is the author (laughs) and the typewriter is the one that was saying i know your bailfire i know your bailfire exactly (laughs) because i wrote all about you think about an old (laughs) tv show it's got a, a mark on the side that's actually where its unicorn horn was when it was a unicorn. <laughs> okay, okay. okay. <laughs> but think about an old TV show. And I say it's old, but from the like 80s or 90s ghost writer, <laughs> how there was this ghost that would communicate through arranging letters. What if the author is the typewriter and he communicates by typing things out? I know it's crazy. I'd be sort of disappointed because I feel like this author needs to use a quill yeah. and not squid ink. 
And <laughs> it's more likely that the typewriter belongs to the author instead of it being the author itself. If that. I wonder if they've tried like blowing on the book to see if it's written in magical ink. <laughs> Maybe they'll try that at some point. <laughs> the spells were in the book. <laughs> the stories are actually in the book. <laughs> <laughs> Well, David and Emma are working together and then end up pulling over the two witches of darkness. Did you notice all of the parking violations that Cruella has? I didn't the first time. <laughs> I, I noticed she had a lot of stuff in her car. <laughs> yeah, it's just a whole bunch of parking violations, which kind of helps reinforce the impression we got of her in the first time that we met her there mm-hmm. as she was being kicked out of that. Well, that's not the first time we met her. But when Rumpel went to get her. I thought it was funny that Charming stole from thieves, much like Emma stole a stolen car. There's just so much charming connectedness happening in this episode. Yeah. At the same time, turning around and lying to Emma felt kind of David Nolan to me. Yeah. I mean, it just seems like Charming owns what he does. And David sneaks around. So, yeah, he's both. But it's just eh. because I think, again, what's bothering me is the implication that he did this in the Enchanted Forest, too, in some way. But we haven't seen that whole story yet. I did notice that Emma called him dad very easily. And I like that because it's been a while. Everyone's been like, when is she going to call them mom and dad? And then she finally did. And then she went back to David and Mary Margaret. And depends on her mood that day. Well, obviously, she's. I think that they're doing that intentionally to show that she's growing as a character mm-hmm. in her trust and the faith that she's putting in her parents. When Hook is talking to Emma, they mentioned the ATM footage. And here, this is another canon thing that bothered me. Because <laughs> so I thought, wait a minute, ATM? There's no ATM next to Gold's shop. Guess what? In this episode, there is. <laughs> there wasn't before? No. Maybe but they just got an ATM. Yeah. It is throughout this episode. And it's from the storybook um, Bank and Loan. Story or Savings Brooke. and Loan. Storybook Savings and Loan. Well, they got an ATM. I mean, once that ice wall came down, they were like, we probably should get certain enhancements before something else keeps us from leaving. <laughs> and an ATM. What's more magical than an ATM? It just gives you money. Yes, it gives. <laughs> right. Oh, maybe in Storybrooke it does. What I, for some reason, took from this scene was the box very prominently labeled 1986 sitting mm-hmm. on the desk behind Emma with a pair of boots on top. Is this a box we've seen before? Or is 1986, have we dis- established 86 as an important year? Well, that was a couple years after everyone came to Storybrooke. So is it reminding, foreshadowing, or just a thing that was sitting there with a very oddly prominent label? Probably just a thing. It just I... didn't seem very sheriffy. Boots. And 1986. Well, Emma wears boots. But she doesn't keep them on top of evidence on her desk, I should hope. <laughs> but I it mean, might not be was... evidence. Maybe it's just parking violation records from 1986. <laughs> from 1986. It could also just be... Maybe the birth date of one of the cast. True. You know, that's that's in the early 30s. 
or no, late late twenties. <laughs> late twenties, twenty eight. Oh, yeah. hmm. Well, if it becomes significant, everybody remember that I mentioned it. Apart from that, I kind of like, kind of like you were saying, I like that the way Emma first interacts with Hook on this issue. Where she's kind of like, even though he, she doesn't get offended right away that he's trying not to say. She tries to kind of tease it out of him and then she doesn't get all dramatic when he (laughs) clearly lies to her. But she takes some time and figures out what to say later. By the way, Ash23 in our chat room said those are Graham's boots. Yeah, maybe. Hmm. Maybe Graham. Oh, no, he was always the sheriff, wasn't he? Yeah. I think that Emma's ability to sense when people are lying has been working this entire episode because it worked there with Herc. It has been working with her parents. This was actually my favorite episode for Emma being lied to (laughs) (laughs) because to me, as a fan of the show, I could clearly tell that she was pretty aware of whether people were lying to her or not. But she didn't have to stop and say, I know when people are lying to me. Like she has said every other single time she's been lied to and they wanted her to call someone on it. It's like, it, reward for the fans. We already know. You don't have to say it. Thank you. Yeah. I enjoy that. But then she's not, now she's doubting herself. She's putting more faith in her parents than she's putting in herself. And she's wrong. She is wrong. Or she's right. She's an right. Acknowledgement Sorry. that she's not a hundred percent with it. She's just <laughs> a little more accurate than she thinks she is right now. Right. But then she's going to find out and go into a dark rage. So we have lots of story ahead. <laughs> That's my <laughs> prediction. Speaking of stories, I like that Pinocchio didn't remember the stories and the events. I'm glad it wasn't just like Pinocchio say, oh yeah, this is what happened and be able to give us all of that. That's just a little too convenient. Well, yeah. I mean, do any of us want that small boy remembering going to Phuket and wearing leather and not shaving? (laughs) But he didn't (laughs) put it that way. He didn't seem to even remember entering the wardrobe. So Mm. he doesn't even remember Emma like baby Emma. I thought he got like a totally fresh start from when he first became a real boy. Is that not what happens when he turned back into a little boy? <laughs> hmm. I thought that's what they said. I thought that's yeah. what Blue Fairy said. But Yeah, and that would make sense because then he'd have all of his history with Geppetto to remember and what the Blue Fairy has said to him before and all of that. Yeah, I feel like Regina needs maybe to make an appointment with Archie or get a journal or do some yoga. She's so stressed about this poor little boy who obviously doesn't remember. <laughs> like seriously, she was I was surprised that she went like zero to thirty in four seconds or less. I noticed this time she was already pretty upset by the time Emma got there. It was like like she's like, you're just, you're just the last, you're our last hope. And yeah. not in those words, but you're right. She was pretty darn panicked. I guess she got up that morning thinking, well, either the boy remembers or I will die alone and <laughs> unloved, except, you know, by all the people that love me. And that struck me during this episode as she's talking to Henry and going, will I ever get a happy ending? Will I? Will I? 
well, okay, yes, you're happy. Your ending could be happier, but you've got your son and he loves you. You know what? General, <laughs> this name it says uh, <laughs> the positivity right here, but General Sunshine <laughs> said the same thing. <laughs> well, I'm Very glad similar. Let General me read this. Sunshine and I on the same page my favorite this is general sunshine <laughs> saying my favorite scene was regina coming to apologize to marco for threatening pinocchio i think they had a real parent-to-parent moment but i loved that during their argument marco pointed out that maybe finding the author of the book isn't the best end for regina's happiness mm-hmm. something i've been thinking ever since she got on the operation mongoose trail is that maybe she's in her happy ending right now yes Regina pointed out that she had been happier when she had Henry and Robin and Roland, and she wants to get back to that level. But I wish she would just open up her eyes and see what's in front of her. She has the love of her son, good friends, gaining the respect of the people around her, and a fabulous wardrobe. (laughs) It wasn't that long ago that Henry was Regina's everything. Now she has him, she needs Robin or someone else. Once she gets him, she'll need something else. I think she and Henry can get a better hobby to do than drive the town crazy with Operation Mongoose. (laughs) But Jacqueline points out something really well here. And this is, a, I think, a good, fair, balanced point. Jacqueline said, all the awards go to Geppetto. This is a lesson all the villains should learn. Maybe you don't get what you thought was your happy ending. Because you've done truly terrible things. (laughs) Yes, you can be redeemed, but that doesn't mean that you get to lead the life you see fit. Hmm. Maybe you have to actually pay a little. So Geppetto reminding everyone that Regina had caused so much unhappiness and thus she doesn't get to have it all. Good for once. That was like season one level good. Thanks, Jacqueline, (laughs) for those thoughts. And just just further to that, like, look at the rest of the characters in Storybrooke. Like, are they really having their happy ending? Are Snow and Charming having a happy ending right now? Like, nobody's there yet, I think. Right. She's also trying to rush it. Because, like, so long as I, like, don't want to go into, like, TV preach mode. So long as, so long as she's unhappy, there's still a TV show. Once she's happy, there's no more TV show. Like, she has to be miserable. And this could be the end game of the story, the overall story of Once Upon a Time, is that Once Upon a Time doesn't actually end until everyone we want to have an happy, a happy ending actually <laughs> gets a happy ending. And that would actually be true to the pilot. Yeah. You're here because it's your destiny. You're going to bring back the happy endings. Yeah, exactly. That's what I was thinking of. Cute yep. little Henry voice. Now that the fairies are nuns, do you think their happy ending is new carpet for the convent? <laughs> Just while we're thinking about everyone and one of the strangest character choices I've seen. <laughs> oh, man. <laughs> when the Charmings went down into the mines to try to catch the dust before the witches did, I was really intrigued by the dialogue and interaction that the witches had going here. Like one of the things is that now these ladies are lying to Rumple because they said that Belle didn't even mention him. Yeah, I would say manipulate. Yeah. And whether they're doing it just for kicks or because they have some larger plan for him remains to be seen. Does he expect them to be 100% truthful to them? I don't know. 
I think in some ways he is because it sounds like he is trying to fully trust them. Yeah, he he's, you know, he's rumple. He's still pretty weak in a lot of ways. He switched crutches. Now he's hobbling around Storybrooke on magic mm-hmm. and <laughs> co-villains and really, really vulnerable when it comes to Bell. You can see it on his face and apparently he's ready to believe whatever anybody tells him about her because he cares too much. Yeah. And we'll talk more about what he saw in just a moment. But I like the rematerialization of Maleficent, even though it seems like dead is no longer dead on the show. But well. we got to see Maleficent. Yeah, she wasn't. Rumpel did say that she's not fully dead, basically. <laughs> well, and she's maybe not fully a person. And I believe that's a law that applies to people yes that would seem to be true because we've seen rumple resurrected as the dark one a magical being Hmm. we've seen maleficent now resurrected a magical being (laughs) did you guys notice what hook called maleficent in this episode he said isn't she a mummified beast or something that's how he fought her right yeah, back in uh, the episode when he presumably oh. used something like the taser from Greg and Tamara, <laughs> and Maleficent was all like, I knew you were <laughs> when you walked in, so shame on me that I me to places I've never been, now lying on the cold hard Thank you, Matthew Paul, for putting that together. That's a blast from the past. (laughs) I forgot about that episode, so totally disregard what I just said. (laughs) I was thinking maybe Hook knows about her origin and where she came from because he's so old. and yeah. Well, by the way, that video Matthew Paul had made back when we made some joke about how, yeah, zombie Maleficent back then would have been a perfect fit-in for Taylor Swift's song. And so, Matthew Paul, a moderator (laughs) on our forums, made that mashup and shared it with us. We shared it back then. If you want to see that again, we have it in the show notes for this episode at oncepodcast.com slash 183. I had to play that again. I've had that loaded, like just waiting to play it. (laughs) Glad I could segue for you. Maleficent. What a threat from her. I only care about one thing, your pain, and that it be as long and terrible and unyielding as my own. The pain you caused. I forgot how much I missed her. It's going to be entertaining. I'm going to revel in every torturous moment. And you, you're going to watch your world crumble. (laughs) I think adding... I wasn't sure what I thought about this trio when they were getting ready to start this part of the season, but it's it's making the whole thing rather improved over what it would have been. Yeah. Like, that would have been, it would have been a chilling little speech, but there would have been a little part of me that might have been like, oh, here we go again. But then you get the comment, the commentary from the peanut gallery, yeah. <laughs> and it's just that much better. Yeah, it does help balance them out a bit. It's quite a threat. We did receive some feedback uh, from a few people suggesting, why doesn't Rumpel take 
this same kind of blood magic thing and go resurrect Neil. But I think the issue of these being magical beings being resurrected might be the difference here. Uh, yeah, and Neil's Neil's all dead. He's not mostly dead. Yeah. <laughs> and again, with the superlatives, it's not just the blood of people who wronged her. It's the people who wronged her the most. Which I was I noted that because Maleficent's story is supposed to be Sleeping Beauty, so I figured that she had some reason to put Aurora in a sleeping curse. So right. Yeah. <laughs> I'm just surprised that it said like if you're following the Sleeping Beauty story, the people who wronged her the most should be Aurora's parents. I feel like just saying wronged her deeply or describing it as a terrible wrong and a terrible pain, but not making it superlative would have maybe been a little bit more canon safe. Mm-hmm. Yeah, because Aurora is in Storybrooke, and so is Philip. So she could get the blood of both of, or at least one of the people that she considers enemies. They could have had people's hands bleeding all over the place in there. Yeah. If they wanted to. But blood they, magic. <laughs> yeah, I don't think this qualifies as blood magic, but I suppose it is a type of blood-involved magic. <laughs> I wonder if it has to be the person who wronged her the most who's still alive. <laughs> Probably. They, they've used that phrase before, the most, in the episode, mm-hmm. The Thing You Love the Most, The Thing You Love Most, yeah. in season one, when Regina had to, spoiler alert, pull out her dad's heart and use it for the curse. And there again... This Aurora and Philip are not the sort of traditional Aurora and her prince. Mm-hmm. That would have been Aurora's mother. Jump back to episode two of the entire series, and Maleficent was talking with Regina, and Regina was taunting Maleficent, saying, Well, isn't she about the same age as you were when you lost your love, too? And they're both kind of taunting each other back about that same thing and that love that was discussed then i don't think is the father of this baby that maleficent has or had right i don't think so either there would be some big disconnect there yeah when regina went to visit geppetto i thought it was great to see her really making right her wrongs mm-hmm. and Shortly after she made them, not like years later, but maybe just half an hour, an hour later, realizing, oh, man, I blew it. I need to go and apologize. I hope she also apologized to Pinocchio since she scared that little boy so much. I loved seeing August's motorcycle again with the Kansas license plate and the number 23 on the license plate. Mm -hmm. Great throwbacks to season one. I wonder if when Regina is looking through her stuff, we're going to get to see the piece of paper that says, I know your bailfire on it. Ooh, that would be interesting. <laughs> Charlie, what's that about? <laughs> Nothing just changed your life. <laughs> At the sheriff's office, we learned that Hook did something to Ursula that's even worse than breaking her heart. Think back to when we saw Ursula and Hook see each other outside of Granny's diner. Ursula seemed just like, hey, Hook. And Hook was like, Ursula. I thought it was loaded. I thought it was a loaded hey. (laughs) Not in an overdramatic way, but I thought it was kind of like, yeah, it was an acknowledgement. It was kind of icy. 
So what could have happened between them? Do you think romance? Because he said a lot worse than breaking her heart. I don't know. Maybe he foiled one of her plans. Especially considering she hadn't been seen in several thousand years. Don't know how he did that. Maybe not in the Enchanted Forest. Maybe she was seen in Neverland. Maybe. Well, here is a good theory that Fee posted in the forums. She said, I hope it's something like Ursula actually was a goddess. Because remember, she's referred to herself as a goddess and Ariel referred to her as that too. Mm. And something Hook did stripped her of her goddess powers and immortality and turned her into a mere octo-human. That could be what he did. Well, you know, it also has to be something... It has to have an, an edge to it that is despicable enough on his part that he doesn't want Emma to know about it. Could it be that yeah. maybe Hook caused her to lose her child, too? It could be. That could be... They could have all lost children. That could be why they're friends. Yeah. <laughs> to some degree. I forget. Did Hook have any connection with Ariel at all that we have heard about yet? Hook and Ariel did have a run-in, remember, back in the Enchanted Forest after everyone was sent there from Regina's altered form of Peter Pan's curse back in season three. And that's when we got to meet Zelina and all of that. Remember, Ariel found Hook and wanted Hook's help to find Prince Eric. So they did not have any prior before that connection that we know of. Right. So, okay. That was just, I was just connecting the dots between Hook and Ariel and Ursula and that there could have been some, something happening with that, but who knows? I'm sure we'll find out. About the conversation that Hook and Emma had, Lady in our forums said, Hook and Emma's conversation shows how to handle real adult relationship issues in a healthy (laughs) and respectful way. Should Hook have lied about his relationship with Ursula? No. But stuff like that happened in early stages of relationships. It is more the way they both handled the issue after Emma calling him online, but understanding his need to confront that clearly painful subject in his own time. Hook letting his walls down a little, showing his past wrongdoings, affect him very much nowadays. Both of them choosing to be each other's support system and cheerleaders. I agree, and I I really liked that about it, but now that we're talking about it, I'm reminded of some conversations we've had in the not-too-distant past wherein we've sort of surmised that Emma has sort of the emotional maturity of a teenager. Mm -hmm. That's not what this conversation was. So, I mean, she can grow, that's fine, but it's a little confusing when she kind of sometimes goes back and forth. Maybe she's just more a teenager when it comes to her parents sometimes than Hook. Or maybe she's just had to do a lot of rapid growing with everything that's happened. But it's it's kind of interesting from that standpoint. But on the flip side, Jacqueline said, Emma has literally no idea what Hook did to Ursula. It could be, at this point, be anything at all. And she's just given him carte blanche for all his past deeds because you are not that man anymore. What she should have said was, you can tell me in your own time 
and then I will decide how to feel about it, instead dismissing what I'm sure is going to be a doozy of a secret. <laughs> what if Hook murdered someone Ursula cared about, or what if he's responsible for Ursula not being a goddess anymore? Even if you take this to the most preposterous and totally out there extreme idea of what might have happened, it's a really terrible message for Emma to just say that it's okay because Hook changed. No, it's not okay. It doesn't diminish what Hook did to Ursula or how Ursula feels now. I think both sides of these are very true. That on one side, it's good. I'm I'm talking now, not Jacqueline. But I think both of these are good. That Yeah, on one side, it's Emma being able to put the past behind and say, hey, let's talk about this when you're ready to. Mm-hmm. And if you need support, if whatever, if you need help with this, I'm here for you. Yeah, there's that side, but there's also the side of there might be some consequences to the thing that you did, and there might be extra struggles after knowing this. We're going to have to work through this. It's like you know any husband and wife who, if one of them shares with the other some infidelity that they committed, it's not just, oh, okay, I forgive you. But they have to work through it together mm-hmm. because it it creates new struggles and such. So it's mm-hmm. it's a bit of both. I don't think Emma was saying whatever you did is fine. It's fine that you did that. I think what she's saying is that it's not going to affect her relationship with him and how she sees him now because it was in the past, which right. is very realistic because Emma's like best buddies now with the evil queen who massacred villages. I think that Emma's very genuine in saying that when she finds out what Hook did, it is not going to affect the way that she feels about Hook now because she knows that he's changed. So I don't think she's giving him a free card for having had this indiscretion or even implying that it may not come back now to to bite him. But I think that she's just saying, we're going to be good once you tell me, if you tell me. And then here is Snow White with her husband, Prince Charming, and they lie. <laughs> you had the opportunity. You pulled a Nolan. Come I am on. so disappointed in Snow White. I don't think I ever thought I would speak that since it's allowed, but. <laughs> it would have been the perfect time for Snow's heartbroken voice. It would have been a perfect segue. It would have been like her saying like, oh, this is why we didn't tell you because we didn't want to threaten what you were just saying. But we, we need to tell you now so that you will have faith in us. Like, oh, so disappointing that they... Right, I mean, that then they would have only lied to her for part of a day and they came to fix it so she could still trust them. Yeah. It'll always be better for them to tell her than for her to find out. And here's my thing with that, which will kind of segues into the next scene, but... Whatever Snow White thinks she did or did can't be like she had a pure heart until she killed Cora, mm-hmm. right? There right. was only black in her heart once she killed Cora, which was not that long ago. So whatever she thinks she did, like I'm guessing that this is a situation where she thinks what she did was so much worse than it actually was. And what actually happened was just consequences of actions yeah to fit in with canon i think that's what we'd have to accept unless they mess with canon the interesting thing is what she said when they first saw maleficent again i think probably suggests more of the truth than anything because she 
I mean, they were afraid, but she still said, whatever you think happened, you don't know the whole story. And we will get that whole story. Probably. Probably. <laughs> yeah. One would imagine. It's kind of like Regina didn't know the whole story when Snow told her secret and Cora killed Daniel. Mm-hmm. Like Snow thinks that she did, or Regina thinks that Snow did something so, so terrible. But really, she was 10 and she was <laughs> manipulated by a crazy woman. When snow or mary margaret went to see regina then during the rain i think it was a neat little subtle gesture of trust and of Mm -hmm. their now relationship when snow asked regina to keep a secret regina took a step forward and brought the umbrella over snow as well i think that little thing was a bit symbolic of Mm -hmm. where their relationship is now And that Snow is trusting Regina with this secret. That's really cool. This was easily my favorite scene of the whole episode. Yeah. Possibly the season so far. Yeah. Just because in the midst of all this strangeness and all these questionable decisions canon-wise, it was Snow and Regina together being themselves, kind of killing it with the scene, Mm -hmm. delivering the lines just how they should have been delivered, and bringing the weight of their history to the scene instead of just saying words. Yeah. Yeah. The inflections weren't, I didn't feel were off at all. They were what they should have been. Even Regina's response, it was, you know, it wasn't, yeah, we're BFFs now. It wasn't but I'm still angry about that. But it wasn't, I'm not angry about that. It was just very even. I don't know. I loved it. I loved when Regina took a step towards Snow and put her under the umbrella. I don't know why I loved that moment, but I just, that was really pointed in the camera shooting. And I just loved that moment. While they're talking, there are a lot of very big, important things happening in this little montage. And I really like how they piece that together. And we'll we'll address each of these one at a time here. The first thing is Henry found this picture in August book, and it is a picture of a door, and it has the note on it that says, author, question mark. That door, yes, that is a door in Jefferson's hat. What? Indeed it is. It, we think we figured out which door it actually is, and we'll have the screenshots in the show notes at oncepodcast.com slash 183. We've seen several doors inside of Jefferson's hat, not necessarily all of them, because we can assume that there's a full circle of doors. But there is a door that looks very similar, not exactly the same, but very similar. But it's not the door itself that confirms that this door is in Jefferson's hat. It's everything around the door. Mm -hmm. So we may not have actually seen the door in the episode hat trick, or we may have, but look at what's around the door. You see the top half of the walls is red and it looks Mm -hmm. like a curtain. Jefferson's hat has that. The bottom half is this woodwork paneling. Jefferson's hat has that. The floor in (laughs) front of the door is dark And it has this pattern that looks kind of like that Trinity pattern, but it's a four-star pattern. It's more like uh, four leaves, kind of. Mm -hmm. It's this um, four-pointed pattern that is in 
Jefferson's hat. In fact, in front of one of the doors we think could be this door to the author. And this was a page not in the book that was in August things. Right. So, we're going back in Jefferson's hat. <laughs> the question is, will, will Jefferson, Jefferson come along there? for the ride? <laughs> yeah. It's true. Well, remember, his hat was burned. Oh. Yeah. It's a problem. Yeah, yeah. Spencer burned it. <sighs> Spencer. Oh, my. So... We might see Jefferson again, or maybe they'll be talking about the hat, but uh, there, this means that the author is probably in a different world. Maybe. <laughs> but Emma, even though Jefferson's hat has been burned, Emma does actually have magic now, so maybe she can get it to work, get it to work, get it to work, get it to work. <laughs> My goodness, if they can bring Maleficent back from ashes, I feel like they should be able to reconstitute the hat, possibly. So they need some of Spencer's blood, because Spencer is the <laughs> one who wronged the hat the most. I hope, though, I I really hope they don't find a way around Jefferson to do that story. Like, I really want Jefferson to be back in the show for at least an episode. Yeah, that would be awesome. Well, here is one other thing to consider. There is another hat that is an interdimensional portal, the sorcerer's hat. Hmm. Maybe they have a way of using that hat, going inside of it and using it like a portal to other worlds, hmm. like Jefferson's hat. Or maybe... Oh, and they're saying that in the chat room, too. Maybe they can just get the apprentice out and he can create the door anywhere, just like he did to... Yeah, to our world, when he created the door for... The Snow Queen. Arendelle, when they went back to Arendelle. Arendelle. Oh, yeah. yeah. Yeah, that door, too. I was thinking of when he created it for the Snow Queen in the cave. Mm. So he think, creates doors. Yeah. <laughs> do you think maybe there are more books that are telling the same stories that we just don't? I was just, I was thinking Maleficent's the whole baby loss thing or whatever, like the whole her not having her child anymore should be in Henry's book. Whatever Snow and Charming mm -hmm. did to her should be in Henry's book. So maybe, so, but there's a lot of things that seem to be happening that aren't in Henry's book that should be. So maybe there's like a, like a parent version of the book <laughs> or something that has the rest of the details. And so it's not really a complete work until, and then maybe that's where August got other pages from hmm, a different possibly. book. In our chat right now, Matthew Paul pointed out that there is a deleted scene from the episode Hat Trick with August and Jefferson together. And Matthew Paul suggested that maybe they'll rework that deleted scene into something in the future, since we now know there's this connection between the author and the doors and presumably the hat. Hmm. That would be cool. The other big thing that happened during this montage is what Rumpel saw inside of his own shop, no less. <laughs> I have not studied a kiss so much oh as my. that kiss. Like, Are you sure about that? Because there have been some kisses in this series that I feel <laughs> you may have studied for one reason or another. Well, this one, I kept looking at it thinking, <laughs> is that really a kiss? And yes, it has all the marks of a kiss. <laughs> <laughs> it's not just like a kiss on the cheek. But it's a kiss well, right. on the lips, yeah. and Will closed his eyes when going in for the kiss, and he turned his head 15 degrees to the right, just like you're supposed to do. <laughs> and it, it They was... just didn't want to actually kiss each other for some reason. They were afraid that they're, I don't know, they would cancel each other's accents out and the show would be ruined. So we have here that Will brought coffee to Belle. That could just be that they're working together, okay? Sure. 
Maybe they're just working together. Maybe Belle hired him. <laughs> but then here, they're in the shop so after the kiss hours. Is for too. The shop is closed. She looks at Will, has this, she just lights up with this big smile when she sees Will. And they kiss. Mm-hmm. Here's a question. Ooh. Did it really happen? Do you think... I hope not. Rumple is so caught up in his own mind that he's seen things or that the three witches are making him see things nah i think it happened i think it happened i mean six weeks she kicked him out of town will's just kind of there he's got a british accent <laughs> like she does th- sort of she says Australian, australian australian <laughs> whatever <laughs> here's the thing i don't care i don't care that bell is kissing will i don't i don't care i care that will is kissing bell because where's Anastasia and they're ruining Wonderland and I don't like it. It was a, it was worth watching in the end because of the story that they told. And if they're just going to bring him on to once upon a time to sort of ruin that story retroactively, I'm not very happy at all. There is a lot of conversation about this in the forums. And like I said earlier, a lot of people are, are actually more upset about this Hmm than they are about the broken relationship between Rumpel and Belle. And for many different reasons, like Josephine thought that maybe Rumpel will be killed, dead, sacrificed at the end of the season. So Rumpel is probably completely over with. Matthew Paul said the way that this is being presented, this feels more like a diversion and won't be an end game. And uh, Matthew Paul agreed too that like with everything that they did, I'm summarizing here what Matthew Paul said, with everything they did in Once Upon a Time in Wonderland and the beautiful relationship between Will and Anastasia, that they would break that off in some way is just kind of ridiculous to a degree. And uh, Slurpee said, Will never stopped loving Anastasia, even during his heartbreak after she wronged him in Wonderland. So what's he doing now? Kissing a girl already. (laughs) And where is Anastasia? Do you think that perhaps this would this is not really a stretch for Will even that he's kind of getting close to Belle, maybe to have access to the shop because he needs something to get back to Anastasia. And Belle is just an innocent bystander because he did have that picture of the red queen with him or like previous this season, previously this season. So either he doesn't remember and is somehow drawn to that or he remembers and he wants to get back because remember he lost his traveling pouch. Yeah. Or sack or whatever he said. I like that idea because he is a thief. And yeah. I think he's even said once a thief, always a thief. And certainly when he was in Storybrooke, he was stealing. And that's after everything that happened in Wonderland, where he had a change of heart and everything. Yeah. So I like that idea that maybe he's just manipulating Belle. Yeah. That makes a lot of sense, actually. I like that better than the... Oh my goodness, Will, what are you doing? You're supposed to be with Anastasia. Except he could just be your friend too, like if he needs access to stuff in the shop. Yeah. Kissing friends like that? Closing your eyes and tilting That's your head. That's not what I meant. <laughs> it would have been a better approach to just say, Hey Belle, you're a compassionate person. I need to get back to the woman I love and you might be able to help me. Yeah. Like they don't even have to be friends. He she would do that. She would help him. But he's not one to ask for help. He just 
goes and steals it because I guess his pride or something gets in the eh, way. Well, maybe old Will. He's supposed to have changed somewhat. I liked Snow's kind of the very last line of her kind of monologue there uh, lines where she said, there's no going back. You shattered the bond you worked so hard to forge. The stronger those bonds once were, the more difficult they are to put back together if they can be repaired at all. And then she's planning on continuing to lie to Emma to make the shattering of the bond that they have that much worse when it happens. Yeah. Hmm. They're setting it up for something really interesting to happen to Emma. Some kind of decision she's going to face going to the dark side or staying on the light side. If Emma goes evil, I might be done. (laughs) (laughs) She won't stay there. Yeah, probably. Probably. (laughs) And then the last line of this episode is Snow saying, because of us, Maleficent lost her child. Yeah, which I fully expected her to say, we killed Maleficent's child. But she said, because of us. So they're already couching. It's not that bad. (laughs) Maybe it is, but you know, it's going to be complicated and it's going to be gray. And hopefully it'll make more sense with what we've believed about the characters up to this point. And earlier in this conversation, Mary Margaret said that they went through extraordinary lengths in order to ensure that Emma's magic would be the lightest that it gets. So those extraordinary lengths are in some way related to the loss of Maleficent's baby. One theory that came in here from Feli is, what if they took Emma's potential for darkness and stuck it into Maleficent's baby? It could have attracted the sorcerer's attention, and he or she could have banished the baby to our world where it wouldn't be a danger to anyone. What if the baby is the author? Not likely. (laughs) Because the baby would have been born around the same time as Emma. Yep, and uh, it has to be somebody blue knows. To me, there's so much inconsistency even within Snow's statements that they went to extraordinary lengths to ensure that her magic was light but if anything happens, she's going to send be sent tumbling down a dark path. <laughs> if she's yeah. got the lightest magic around, how can that be turned into, like, how did they ensure anything if one betrayal sends her tumbling down a dark path? Again, yeah. that makes Emma human. Plus, so far, it's been all, oh, we're terrible, we're terrible, we did this thing, nobody can know, we have to hide it. Maleficent. We're so sorry. We regret. No, that's not what they said. She said, you don't know the whole story, whatever you think we did. So what is that more cover up or is that the truth? And really, it's a little muddy. Even the idea that it is a bad thing is a little bit muddy at this point. Jessica Frey suggested that maybe Aurora is actually Maleficent's baby. Huh. But the timeline doesn't really seem to line up with that. It definitely doesn't line she up. She would have to not know, because why would you be like, I lost my child, but now that she's kind of an adult, I think I'm just going to put a sleeping curse on her and leave. Well, no, and because Aurora's in all reality actually 16 years older than Emma, because she was 16, or well, in the story she was 16 when she got put under the sleeping curse, and then she was frozen in time for the duration of the curse. Uh, true. Right? And then she woke yeah. up in season two when time started back again. Mm-hmm. in Storybrooke. Jessica Frey also added 
like many other people have been theorizing, that maybe Lily is the daughter. And remember back when we met Lily, she had that scar on her wrist and Emma pointed it out and Lily basically dismissed it. She didn't want to talk about Mm -hmm. it. I think that all, somehow that makes the most sense. Somehow. Somehow, (laughs) maybe. And maybe the Charmings even think that the baby died and she didn't. Right. Maybe they wished upon a star. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> to transfer the darkness potential out of their child. And it just left a scar for reasons. I know there are a lot of other conversations going on in the forums about this and a lot of discussion back and forth about who the baby is and could the baby be Lily? Could it be someone else? All of this stuff. We'd love for you to join that conversation because we're now finished talking about this episode of Once Upon a Time, Unforgiven. So please go to our forums to continue the conversation with everyone else and join the conversations that are going on over there. You can get the show notes for this episode, the screenshots, and respond to anything we specifically raised in this episode by going to oncepodcast.com slash 183 and comment there. I'd like to thank Cho Weaver from the United States who left a review for us on iTunes. It wasn't a very positive review, but it was an honest review. And (laughs) we really appreciate the honest reviews. So thank you very much, Cho Weaver. If you would like to write a review for us and you haven't yet, then please go to oncepodcast.com slash iTunes. That's also where you can subscribe to the show and receive every episode automatically. And that really helps us out when you leave those ratings and reviews because it encourages us and it helps other people find the podcast too. That's at oncepodcast.com slash iTunes or get the links at oncepodcast.com. We've got some spoilers coming up from Hunter and Jacqueline. But before we share those, we'd love for you to connect with us. Please go to oncepodcast.com and you can get all of these links or follow us on Twitter at oncepodcast. And I'm Daniel J. Lewis on Twitter at the Ramen Noodle. I'm Jeremy Laughlin on Twitter at Fleegon. That's P-H-L-E-G-O-N. I'm Aaron, and I'm on Twitter at Aaron J. Cruz. Special thanks to our whole team of volunteers who help make the podcast possible. Corbin for sorting our feedback, Jack writing our show notes, John Buchanan producing our episodes, Hunter and Jacqueline providing our spoilers, Jacqueline and Matthew Paul moderating the forums, Keb managing the timeline, Alias Scape moderating the chat room, Jeremy, Aaron, Hunter, and Jacqueline hosting this podcast and thanks to you for sending such great feedback and being such a great part of this community please continue to vote for us every day in the podcast awards by going to oncepodcast.com slash podcast awards and until next time let me be clear ladies if you bring up my former sins around my son again you'll find yourself across that town line faster than you can say costume jewelry and thanks for listening Once Podcast is a proud member of Noodle Mix Network. Find more of our award-winning and award-nominated podcasts to make you think, laugh, and succeed at noodle.mx. Big thanks to our sponsors for this episode of the podcast. If you'd like to be one of them, then please go to oncepodcast.com slash sponsor and thank you for your support. Hi, Oncers. I'm Hunter Hathaway. And I'm Jacqueline. And it's spoiler time for Once Podcast. So we've got Season 4, Episode 14, Enter the Dragon. 
In order to infiltrate the Queens of Darkness as a spy for the heroes, Regina must prove she's willing to get her hands dirty. Meanwhile, Emma, David, and Mary Margaret scramble to keep tabs on their undercover operative. Hook requests an unusual favor from Belle as Henry makes progress on his search for the author. In a fairy tale land flashback, Regina befriends Maleficent and helps her to rekindle her lost spark. This one is written by David H. Goodman and Jerome Schwartz and is directed by Ralph Hemlicker. We have quite a few guest stars, including a very big return. So our guest stars this time, well, we have Marco back. We have Ian Bailey is back as August. That's our big one. We have Sarah Bolger back as Aurora. Ursula, Cruella. We have little Jacob Davies back as Pinocchio. Sebastian Roach as King Stefan and Maleficent will be there, of course. And then we've got Noah Beggs as bartender and Russell Roberts as visiting Duke. It'll be very interesting to see August. Yes. Because I don't know how they're going to do this because last week, of course, little Pinocchio decided he didn't want to remember. He doesn't want to remember any of this. So is this a flashback? Do they age him up unexpectedly? I'm interested to see what they're going to do with August. Yes, so am I. Because, like, is it going to spell a spell where they just make him older for a couple minutes to answer some questions and then send him back? Right. Well, we were lucky enough. We've got promos, Canadian promos, photos, and a script tease for you guys. So for the promo this week, we did get an American and a Canadian one. And the Canadian, unfortunately, isn't the best quality, unlike last week where it was crystal clear. But for the American, it really focuses on Maleficent and Regina. This is going to be the episode in which we learn how they met back in the uh, fairy tale land of the past. We do get a glimpse of Maleficent and Stefan meeting. It looks like they probably know each other and that I'm going to guess they're probably not friends. They weren't really friends in the original Disney movie. They were some type of thing going on between those two. And then right. they explored more of that in the past movie that just came out. Yes. So if they're going to take that back history, then yes, they have a history. Right. And I wouldn't be surprised if they did, given last week's revelation that Maleficent had a child. Because in if you saw the, the movie this past summer, she and Aurora have a very different relationship. Well, first of all, for everyone listening, I'm calling them the ladies of darkness. They're not queens <laughs> in my book. But did you find it funny with the three of them sitting at the table in grannies? Like, they just did not fit at that table. No, they, like, they're just sitting there, like, all relaxing. And Regina just walks up to them. And I was like, this is the strangest scene ever. Well, not even that. It looks like they didn't fit at the table. Like, the table's too small. (laughs) Well, you know what? It might be because, A, Ursula has, like, the world's largest tentacles, and I don't know where she keeps them. But then Maleficent's human costume is weird. I'm just going to say it. It's weird. It's 1940s film noir mafia wife. (laughs) Right? Like... (laughs) Eduardo, we love you, but I don't understand this one. I even put that. I said Maleficent looks like old-time gangster with the hat, the tie, and the jacket. The jacket is huge. I'm pretty sure you could fit, like, three of the actresses in that coat. And her arms aren't even in it. Like, she right. just drapes it over her shoulders. She's like, like, like a Dawn in the Mafia. It's hilarious. You guys really need to go online if you haven't seen this photo, because she looks like a gangster from back in the she day. Does. All she needs is that little, like, 
automatic weapon, the big barreled one. Yes. <laughs> Say hello to my little friend. Like, she's going to burst out with that line. Yes, it's awesome. Since we were talking about the pictures. There's a, quite a few of them that they put out. And it looks like Will and Belle are sitting there at Granny's having some sort of meal. A giant piece of cake. But did you notice that there's a tablecloth on the table? Like, they dressed up Granny's. <laughs> nice. It's not like, oh, I'm going to take you to a nice restaurant. Here, let's just put a tablecloth on top of the table at Granny's. They always go to date at Granny's. <laughs> Are there other restaurants in Storybrooke? I don't know. <laughs> but it looks like Hook shows up and he sits down at the table. And then it looks like he pulls Belle aside to talk with her. Yeah. And we actually got some behind the scenes photos from when they were filming this that we want to talk about. And... We had a night of filming where Hook and Belle were outside filming, and Belle gives Hook the dagger. And the thing that is striking people about this is, why would she do that? But we also kind of think that maybe it's not Hook, that it's Rumpel in disguise. Yes. I wouldn't put it past them. Be prepared. <laughs> yeah. Be prepared, Rumbellers, to maybe have your heart broken once again. Okay. Let's go back to the Canadian promo, because we got a little bit more in that one, I feel. Yeah. For even how bad it was quality-wise, but we got it. There was one thing that caught me off guard with that one. It's the same thing. Regina wants to join with the ladies to go undercover and all that stuff. But there's some sort of tree that's still on fire that we learn about. Yeah. I wasn't quite sure what's going on with that. I don't know, but there's some tree that's still on fire. And Henry does a lot of looking at the book, and he thinks he found the door that has something to do with the author. Right. And maybe that's how August comes back in. Then we see Snow and Charming are in the truck and they see something in the distance, which I'm going to think is something evil going on. Probably. And Emma is worried about something and she looks like she's about to get up and go stop it. And I'm thinking that's when she finds out that Regina is going undercover. Yeah, I kind of wonder how Emma's going to feel about that because she's been really encouraging Regina to continue her path of redemption yes so i don't know how she's gonna feel about that i don't know it looks like she's like no and she's gonna get up and run off and save the world yeah (laughs) superhero style (laughs) okay let's go back to the photos because we did see some other photos of king stefan all in his royal outfit and to me he looks like what i thought he should look like yeah i like the way they i like the actor they cast and i like the way they depicted him Yes, it's very regal. He's got a suit of armor, and it looks like it's silver with gold up around the neck, a red cape, and it's very king-like. Yeah. And we also have a script tease, and (laughs) I'm going to tell you right now, it doesn't show you anything. Do you have it in front of you? I do. Okay, would you like to read Mary Margaret, and I'll read Regina? Absolutely. So as Mary Margaret, well, what is it? Regina, I don't know. It's the most helpful script tease ever. (laughs) Yeah, it it's, I don't get it. <laughs> so we don't know what something is. Shocking. <laughs> that never happens on Once Upon a Time. Never. Okay, let's move on. We did find some extra little fun tidbits through different interviews this week. I found one. It says, at, by Adam Horowitz. He says, we'll get to look at a bit of the past between Will Scarlet and Robin Hood. We'll learn they had adventures both in and out of Sherwood Forest And no look at the Merry Men would be complete without the return of the Sheriff of Nottingham, which we already kind of knew. Yes. And then we learn a little bit more about how bad the secret is. And according to them, it's the worst thing either one of them, meaning 
Snow and Charming have ever done, and we're going to explore what that was and how it shaped who they are now. Yeah, and I'm thinking there's probably going to be some sort of fallout with Emma. Well, yeah, because they're lying to her. Yeah, she's probably not going to be super happy whenever she learns all this. But question, doesn't she have this superpower that knows when people are lying to her? And why hasn't she? No, her superpower (laughs) is the wonkiest thing on this show. I mean, of all the wonky stuff that happens on Once Upon a Time, her superpower is, I I don't even know anymore. Right, because she should know that her parents are lying to her. Yes. And you said you had one other tidbit of extra. Yes, there is one more. After this past week's revelation that Maleficent had a baby, a lot of people instantly started asking, well, who's the father? And Eddie Kitsis kind of gave a roundabout answer and said, it will be explored if there is one, meaning if there is a father. And then, very strangely, he referenced the fact that dwarves come from eggs. And this has led to a very popular theory right now that Lily was born from Maleficent, but Maleficent was only her surrogate. That she is actually the daughter of Snow White and Prince Charming from the true love egg that Charming put into Maleficent at the end of season one. Meaning that she and Emma are full-blood sisters. I don't know if I like this one. I know. It's weird, but at the same time, it's so big shock once upon a time that I could totally see them doing it. I mean, I can all see Lily being Maleficent's daughter. Oh, I, yeah. As soon as I finish the episode, I'm like, that's it. She's got to be, because we know she's coming back. Like, we, Daniel and all them don't know she's coming back. Right. But we know. And so that was my first thought, was that she's got to be the mother. Well, and then when Agnes, the lady who's um, playing adult Lily, they were shooting a scene where she comes into Storybrooke and she hugs Maleficent, but she treats Snow and Charming like they are the spawns of Satan. I mean, death glares were given. So there's something pretty big going on there. Yeah, I can't wait. (laughs) Yeah. I'm going to guess we find that out about whatever's going on in the episode entitled Mother, which is 420. That episode's probably going to be big. So it's either 419, which is Lily, or 420, which is Mother. Yeah. But that's all we have for you this week, Oncers. Yes. Yeah, not a lot this week. We're sorry. I I tried. (laughs) 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 But I'm Hunter. You can follow me on Twitter at Bit of Pixie Dust. I'm Jacqueline, and you can follow me at punk underscore bunny underscore 87. Until next time, Oncers. (laughs) 